Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor, and here with me is my co-host, Eric. Hello. Today, we will be exploring the sinking and subsequent government cover-up behind MV Estonia. Before we dive in, we must inform you. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the sinking of a vessel, conspiracy, murder, attempted murder, and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please note before we begin that neither Eleanor nor I are mariners or experts in the field of maritime history, but we have done our research and will present the information as we understand it and with accurate nautical terminology. In today's episode, much of the information is clouded in controversy, and we will be covering some conspiracies that have not been proven. There will also be some terminology in the Swedish and Norwegian languages in which neither of us are fluent, but we will try our best to give accurate pronunciations. Before we get started, we'll go over the basics of nautical terminology. The bow is the very front part of the ship, and the very back end of it is called the stern. The port side is the left, and the starboard side is the right. Propellers are sometimes referred to as screws. The hull is the metal sides of the ship, the keel is the very bottom of it, and the superstructure is the top deck, usually made of wood. Smokestacks, or funnels, are large tunnels on top of the ship used to direct steam and smoke away from the deck. Masts are large wooden poles on the deck of the ship, usually used to hoist sails or hold a crow's nest where crew members can see for miles around the vessel. Beam is a measurement that refers to the width of the ship. Thanks, Derek. We begin our story in Papenburg, Germany, in yard number 590 of the Meyerwerft shipyard. The ship that would become MV Estonia was originally ordered on September 11, 1979 by a Norwegian shipping company that would withdraw their order at the last minute, the contract instead going to Radiri Absali, one of the partners in the Viking line. Her keel was laid down on October 18, 1979, and after the acquisition by Sali, the ship was slated to be lengthened. MV Estonia was a beautiful blue and white cruise ferry, later emblazoned with the word S-Line on the sides. Now, on this show, we typically talk about ocean liners that are built with sharp bows to cut through the ocean. Cruise ferries, much like a typical cruise ship, are wider at the hull and are meant to float over waves instead of cutting through them. MV Estonia was 509 feet in length, eventually lengthening to 515 feet after the acquisition. She had a 79-foot beam and 18-foot draft, complete with 11 decks. She weighed in at a remarkable 15,600 gross registered tons and capable of reaching speeds of up to 21 knots. For comparison, that is roughly the fastest speed RMS Titanic could reach as well. She was launched on April 26, 1980, and acquired by Radiri Absali in Finland under her first name, Viking Sali, on June 29, 1980. As Viking Salee, she was painted white with a maroon hole, splashed with the words Viking Line on her sides. She was immediately put into service ferrying passengers between Turku, Maryham, and Stockholm. At this time, she was the largest ship performing this service. Many ships have a checkered past, but Viking Salee's was downright horrendous. During her Viking Line service, she grounded in the Aland archipelago in May of 1984 and suffered propeller problems in April of 1985. Later in 1985, she was rebuilt with a ducktail, which in nautical terms means the lengthening of the stern section of the ship, usually by about 9 to 19 feet. 
The craziest of her early incidents happened in 1986, however. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. Unfortunately, it wasn't good. On July 10th, 1986, a passenger was murdered on board Viking Sili en route from Turku, Finland to Stockholm, Sweden. A man named Riho Hamar killed a businessman named Antti Eljala. Please forgive my pronunciations in case they are probably wrong. We are trying our best. On the morning of July 10th, 1986, toward the tail end of the journey to Stockholm, El Jahala Hamar and one of Hamar's associates were El Hala's cabin. Hamar stole money out of El Hala's wallet, and El Hala got up and to report him to police. What happened next? Well, Hamar got up and stabbed El Hala five times in the throat with a dinner knife, afterwards strangling him to death with a piece of the cabin's bedsheets. His accomplice helped him with the crime, but they didn't get very far. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. It is. Hamara was originally sentenced to life imprisonment, but then escaped after two years in prison. He was apprehended in Stockholm, pardoned in 2004, and then rearrested in 2011 for attempted manslaughter. We would go into more detail with that, but that is the extent of his interaction with MV Estonia, then known as Viking Sali. And if you think that's crazy, there was a second murder and an attempted murder on July 28, 1987, aboard Viking Sali. Around 1 a.m. on July 28, 1987, two students from West Germany named Klaus Sheckley and Bettina Taxis were sleeping on the open-air ninth deck at the rear of the ship underneath the helipad. They were brutally attacked by an unknown assailant and later found by a group of three Danish Boy Scouts at around 3.45 a.m. Sadly, Klaus Schelke could not be saved, but Bettina Taxis survived by the skin of her teeth. Although someone was tried and charged with the crime in 2019, the police would not believe, would reveal the suspect's age, nationality, or sex. This unknown suspect was acquitted on all charges in June of 2021 due to investigative errors. So to say MV Estonia had a checkered past was an understatement. After these incidents, it was reported that Radiri Absali had been experiencing financial difficulties and were brought out by a FOA and Johnson line, the owner of Viking Line's rival Sealhead line, forcing Viking Sully to withdraw from the Viking line. She was chartered for three years following the sale by Radiri Absali. After her charter ended in April of 1990, Viking Sully was painted to Celia Line's colors, renamed Celia Star, and placed on the exact same route she'd ran for Viking Line. During this intense time of change, FOA, Johnson Line, and Radiri Absali merged into one company, F-John. Under another company owned by F-John called Wasa Line, she was once again renamed to Wasa King and served routes between Vasa, Finland, to Umea and Sundsvall, Sweden. Many reports at the time state that Wasa King, later to be known as MV Estonia, was revered as the best-behaving ship in rough seas to have ever sailed from Vasa, thus helping her questionable reputation to change for the better in the smallest of ways. In January of 1993, Wasa King was sold to her final owner, Nordstrom and Thulin. These owners would use her on S-Line's route between Tallinn, Estonia and Stockholm, Sweden. She was finally renamed Estonia and considered the pride of her country, repainted to the white and blue color scheme we told you about earlier. Through the loan Nordstrom and Thulin had with Estonia, her registered owners ended up being listed as S-Line Mar Marine Company Limited. Long story short, she was registered in both Cyprus and Estonia. 
She was the largest Estonian-owned ship at the time and was considered a symbol of the country's independence from the Soviet Union. As MV Estonia, she had an 11-deck plan with passenger amenities on decks 6, 5, 4, and 1. Crew members occupied decks 8 and 7, and decks 2 and 3 were solely reserved for cargo, including a car deck with a bow door that could open and extend a ramp for easy loading of cars and other cargo. As you are about to see, this cargo ramp called a visor becomes infamous in the official story of this sinking. Before we continue, we would like to remind everyone that what you are about to hear details the sinking of a vessel and includes detail of injury and death that may be disturbing to some listeners. Viewer discretion is advised moving forward. In this section, we will look at the two main stories of the sinking, the government's official report and the conflicting testimony of eyewitnesses. To start, we will begin with the story of the government's account of the sinking. MV Estonia departed Tallinn, Estonia slightly behind schedule on September 27, 1994 at 7.15 p.m. She was expected to arrive the following morning in Stockholm, Sweden at 9 a.m. On board, there were 803 passengers and 186 crew members for a total of 989 people. Most of the passengers were Swedish or Estonian, with various other nationalities sprinkled in while the crew was primarily Estonian. The ship was fully loaded with cargo and due to poor distribution of the cargo, the ship listed slightly to starboard. It's a bad sign if a ship is already listing before it's setting sail. According to the Swedish government's final disaster report, the weather was rough that evening with wind speeds of up to 45 miles per hour and waves up to 20 feet tall. There was some rain and temperatures around 50 degrees Fahrenheit, and this weather was considered normal autumnal storms. All ferries were out to sea on their respective routes, MV Estonia alongside them. The official report does not list a speed at which Estonia was traveling when disaster struck, but based upon her typical voyage times, it's safe to assume she was going between 16 and 17 knots at midnight on September 28, 1994. Around 1 a.m., a loud metallic bang echoes throughout the ship. According to the official report, this is assumed to be a heavy wave hitting the bow visor of the cargo hold. An inspection of the indicator lights for the ramp and visor showed no problems, so it was assumed everything was safe and sound. Between 1 a.m. and 1.15 a.m., both crew and passengers alike throughout the ship report hearing these strange noises. At 1.15 a.m., it is believed that the visor was torn from the ship and ripped open the loading ramp that lied behind it. Water rushed into the car hold, and immediately the ship began to list heavily to the starboard side. This 15-degree list and sudden lurch sent passengers, crew, and furnishings flying. Water gushed into the vehicle deck, leaking down stairwells and through the ceiling tiles to cabins and the decks below. At about 1.20 a.m., it is reported that a quiet female voice calls over the ship's public address system, relaying in Estonian, alarm, alarm, there is alarm on the ship, signaling a serious problem to the crew. At this time, the general emergency signal blares around the ship, signaling to passengers to get to the boat deck where lifeboats are kept. At 1.22 a.m., a sloppy mayday call is given in the wrong format by Estonia to nearby Celia, Europa, the confusion only further delaying rescue. Due to the ship losing power shortly after starting their call, they were unable to transmit their coordinates. The last thing Estonia did before power shut off was to turn to port and slow her four engines. 
power did return, according to the report, a few minutes after its initial mayday call, and they were able to relay their coordinates to nearby Mariella and Silha Europa. By 1.30 a.m., this ship was listing severely, 60 degrees to the starboard side, and passengers struggle to make their way to the boat deck. Some of those who are on the lower decks are trapped by flooding and the listing of the ship. The ship disappeared from the radar screens of nearby vessels around 1.50 a.m., and the ship sank stern first after taking a list of 90 degrees, according to survivor accounts. Speaking of survivor accounts, they do differ from this official retelling of the sinking. Many survivors claim the banging to have sounded more akin to that of a collision or explosion, based upon the fact that even the official reports note the ship sinking by her stern and at a 90-degree angle to her starboard side, it definitely does raise some questions about the nature of the sinking. If it had been the bow visor being torn open as reports say, wouldn't she have sank by the bow like Titanic did? That is an interesting concept. I definitely think so. According to the 2020 Discovery Plus documentary Estonia, made by Swedish director Henrik Evertsen and analyst Linus Andersson, they discovered a 42-foot gash in the starboard hull of the ship right where it meets the ocean floor while illegally diving the site with a remote-controlled submarine known as an ROV. This hole protrudes inward, with sharp metal edges bowing inside the ship's hull, suggesting a collision of some sort, and according to some of the eyewitnesses they interviewed, a small white submarine could be seen near the wreckage as she listed completely to her side. Conspiracy theorists theorize that this could have been a USSR submarine due to the nation of Estonia's recent freedom from their grasp, and theories that MV Estonia may have been transporting some sort of military equipment in her cargo holds, but these theories have never been proven outright. Although a collision with a submarine of any origin may seem far-fetched, this would explain why the ship sank stern first, listing 90 degrees to the starboard side, and finally landing on her starboard side on the ocean floor. In the Estonia documentary, a weapons expert uses a computer program to recreate the damage to the hole based upon the size of the impact, what would create such a hole, and the force needed to create it. Would you like to guess what could have made that massive 42-foot gash? If you said a military-grade submarine, you'd be correct. Interesting enough, both Evertson and Anderson were not able to be tried for the supposed crime of illegal diving due to them launching the ROV from a German ship. And with Germany not being part of a peace treaty that we'll discuss later in this episode. After this finding and the recreation of the expert was presented to Swedish government officials, the Estonian Prime Minister and Foreign Minister were prompted to meet with their Finnish and Swedish comrades to announce a new technical investigation would be taking place. It is unclear whether this investigation has begun, what the status of it is, or whether or not they will share their findings with the public if they do in fact continue with this investigation. While we don't have all the answers right now, this is a promising step forward in bringing closer to the survivors and the families of the victims. The fact that the Swedish, Finnish, and Estonian governments are so eager to keep this quiet as well as this shipwreck being one of the most heavily guarded in the world keeps conspiracy theories and much-needed investigations into the disaster alive. It's an all-around fishy situation that is very reminiscent of the French government's government of uh, SS La Bergeon, a ship we talked about in the first episode of this podcast. With more people bringing these theories, investigations, and true valid evidence to the forefront, 
Hopefully one day we will all know the real, unadulterated truth behind this tragic sinking. The actual event of the ship's sinking is debated, but what about the rescue efforts? The rescue effort is not debated. Search and rescue arrangements that were set up by the 1979 International Convention on Maritime Search and Rescue, or SAR Convention, and the nearest Maritime Rescue Coordination Center, MRCC Turku, officially began the rescue effort in accordance with Finland's regulation. This plan assumed that the ship's own lifeboats, as well as assistance from nearby ferries, would provide the lion's share of immediate help with helicopters launched from the mainland within the hour. The Baltic Sea happens to be one of the busiest shipping areas in the world, with 2,000 vessels traversing its waters at any one time, most ships having very few people on board and being primarily cargo vessels. This plan was not made for a disaster like MV Estonia, and it turned out disastrous. Mariella was the first of five ferries on the scene around 2.12 a.m. and began attempting to launch her own lifeboats in order to rescue stranded passengers from MV Estonia out of the icy Baltic Sea. A full-scale emergency wasn't declared until 2.30 a.m., losing precious time in an already precarious rescue effort. The first helicopters arrived on scene at 3.05 a.m., and they began to attempt the dangerous task of landing on ferries bobbing in the rough seas. Their efforts proved the most fruitful of all the rescue efforts, saving 44 from the water, more than all five of the ferries that arrived on sea. Ferry MS Isabella saved 16 survivors with its rescue slide, and Mariella saved 13 people who had transferred from an MV Estonia lifeboat to Mariella's, being power winched back onto the ferry. Of the 989 people aboard MV Estonia the night she sank, only 138 were rescued, with one dying in the hospital later due to complications from hypothermia. The accident would claim 852 lives, most dying by drowning and hypothermia in the frigid waters, which were temped at 50 to 52 degrees Fahrenheit. It is believed that 650 people were still inside the ship when she sank, watching from air pockets within the doomed ship as water covered the vessel with only 310 people reaching the outer decks and only 160 of those 310 people boarded lifeboats and life rafts. The survivors of the disaster were primarily strong young men due to the cold weather and heavy weather conditions. Only seven survivors were over the age of 55 and no one aboard Estonia under the age of 12 survived. In total, only 94 bodies were recovered from the wreckage. The rest of the victims languished 280 feet down at the bottom of the Baltic Sea within MV Estonia's wreck, encompassed in a watery tomb. Despite families of the victims begging for the ship to be refloated or a diving effort to take place in order to retrieve the bodies of their family members, government officials have denied this request. The wreck is considered a gravesite, therefore it is illegal to dive within a certain radius of the wreck or to disturb the wreck without government permission due to its protected status. The Estonia Agreement 1995 is a peace treaty between Sweden, Finland, Estonia, Poland, Denmark, Russia, and the United Kingdom we discussed earlier that declares sanctity over the site. And the site is heavily monitored by the Finnish Navy via radar and naval ships. It is considered one of the worst peacetime maritime disasters in history, comparable to RMS Titanic in 1912 and Empress of Ireland in 1914. This is yet another heartbreaking tale of a disorganized crew, botched rescue, and poor ship design, as well as the possibility of military interference that would take the lives of so many innocent people. 
Since then, new regulations have been made on rescuing passengers using life rafts in rough conditions as well as from listing ships. The sinking is also listed as being instrumental in the implementation of a new voyage data recorder, essentially the ship version of an airplane's black box. New designs on ships called the Citadel Complex call for ships to be able to remain buoyant even when damaged, though no ships meeting this design specs have been built due to cost. As of 2010, passenger ships in the U.S. and Europe are also required to be able to remain afloat even with 20 inches of water on the car deck. Luckily for those looking to cruise or take a ferry these days, safety regulations and lifeboat drills are constantly being updated. This episode hopes to commemorate all those who are lost on MV Estonia and honor their memory, as well as to bring awareness to the tragedy and to the survivors' stories. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a five-star review, as it does help us reach more listeners like you. Tune in next Sunday for the story of M.V. Wilhelm Gustloff, a wartime evacuation that would become the most devastating maritime disaster in history. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.